0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the same old Arsenal podcast. As Amanda often says, hit the like button if you support a team that happen to be top of the league and get your questions and comments in. Uh, We are going to talk all things Arsenal, all things Leeds United, some things about tickets and a little bit of a chat about overseas fans. Joining me as a quartet this evening in my top left hand corner, Amanda, how are you?
3: Good, very good, very, very good.
0: Having you excited to talk about a a nice win again (laughs) today?
3: I'll never say it's getting boring ever that we keep winning and we keep having great podcasts. Exactly, very happy.
0: Never boring. Seven in a row. Very happy. Um, And we've also got Mr. Cook in my bottom right hand corner. How you doing, sir?
1: Mate, I'm I'm very well, thank you. And you know what? I'm even better this weekend because I got to see your lovely face in the flesh for the first. Well, not the first. Why am I saying the first time? The
0: many a time. Stop it, you. You make me blush. Um, and joining us um, as a special guest is Freddie Paxton. How are you doing, Freddie? You all right? Very well. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, it's uh, fabulous to have you on. Fabulous to have you on. Listen, uh, we want to relive every single part of yesterday except the unpleasantness that was Liverpool absolutely bending over against uh, Man City. Um, if you've got any questions, put them in the chat. But let's talk about before the game had even kicked off. So James mentioned I met him for a beverage or two or four um, beforehand. And we uh, had to watch the unpleasantness of the uh, Liverpool, what was the Liverpool fall apart. But Amanda, what did you get up to beforehand? And uh, you uh, met somebody special, I think.
3: (laughs) Yes, I did, actually. And she's just come in the chat and said this. Um, Hello, just wanted to tell Amanda, it was again amazing to meet her yesterday, and of course you too, Carl. So we met Jenny, who is from Nebraska, and I'm going to just show you a quick picture of us as well. Um, And she's from Arsenal, America, so she's come all the way from Nebraska just to watch this game. And I'm just trying to find the picture of where it all is, and we're going to show it now. So that is me and Jenny outside the armory just before the game. Hi, Jenny. I said I'd put this out. It was lovely. Um, You know how much I love the overseas fans and... I always try, if I know anyone's over, especially um, the gals as I call them from America, that's what they call themselves. And um, we had a great chat outside the armory and she loves the pod as well. So it was really, really lovely, a nice pitch, a nice chat. And yeah, it was great. I mean, we wanted to come and meet you and James, but unfortunately the pub is, it was like too far away at that moment. And I wanted to chat with everyone and, and the buzz outside the ground, because of the beautiful stadium wraps, everyone wants to watch, like, take pictures and look at them. I keep looking at the flag one. I absolutely love it. And I keep seeing different flags every time I go of different um, supporter groups around the world. So, yeah, big up to Jenny and her boyfriend um, or husband, Lance. Um, And now I know that Nebraska's in the Midwest, because I thought it was more East, but...
0: I well, there you go. There you go. And Freddie, you obviously, um, I don't think you could make it to the game yesterday, but let's talk about um, just the build up to it from your perspective. Um, did you have much nerves beforehand, uh, particularly when the, the lineup was announced and Nobukayo Saka?
2: Yeah, look, I've been taking the pessimistic route all season because usually I'm very over optimistic and very positive. Um, but it served me well this season to be a bit pessimistic before every game and just just try not to think too much um about us winning every game and and just yeah, take take a pessimistic route and then obviously we exceed expectations every week at the moment, which is great. Um but I was nervous beforehand. Obviously, Saka's our main man, he's our main goal threat, he's our talisman. Um so you know obviously to see him absent from the starting lineup was was a little bit of a worry but obviously having signed Trossard and considering how well he's done since he's come in and obviously Martinelli um being being so good in front of goal this season and obviously now having Jesus back as well and and hearing Arteta saying in the week that he is closer to his best again now and he's you know he's able to cause that chaos that is so typical of him in and around the box So you know, it's now it's nice to have um, those options and obviously it softens the blow of of not having someone like Saka available and obviously we saw that with the way that we we played. I think obviously we did we weren't at our very best, especially in the first half, but once we got that second goal early in the second half, then we were, you know, we were fully in control and it was it was great to then be able to bring Saka on a little bit later in the game, give him some give him some minutes and ease him back into it rather than having to rush him, rush him on to to save us. So all in all, very positive.
0: Yeah, it certainly was positive. I think It was an interesting one. I think there was some illness in the camp beforehand. And that's why they um, that's why I think Saka was rested. But I think Mm. beforehand, when we were chatting, James, before the actual match, I think I remember saying to you that, oh, this feels like is Arteta with one eye on the Liverpool game. Is this a bit dangerous? But in hindsight, obviously, I think there was a bit of illness in the camp. But as Freddie said, that rotation and that depth that we've got, It's pretty impressive now, isn't it, when you think about the way that we were able to dispatch leads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the only thing that would have made me a little bit worried going into the game in terms of team selection would have been if we'd have had Jorginho and Holding. In the same eleven, that would have, for me, been a little bit of a cause for concern. But I think you mentioned at the time as well, like like you just uh, like you just said, um, that he was kind of thinking too far ahead potentially for that game against Liverpool, which um, he you know he has been guilty of doing something like that in the past. But I, I think the beauty of bringing in a player like Trossard is that because of his maturity, um, you can bring him in for someone like Saka. And you don't lose any quality across that front line. I think, you know, arguably he plays his best football on the left-hand sides, And as we've seen in recent weeks, he plays it through the middle as well. He wasn't as effective on the right possibly, Um, but that's still where his assist for the Jesus goal came from. So it's great to have a play like that, that we can bring in. And uh, I think when you look at Mudrik and how he's doing at Chelsea, I still, you know, I don't think we can speculate on how he would have done in an Arsenal shirt because he could have still done very well under Mikel Arteta. But to have someone like Trossard who has slotted in got seven assists and a goal already in his time at Arsenal, you just can't, you you can't argue against that. He's come in, done a job brilliantly and okay. He's not 21 years old. He's not 22 years old. You know, we're not going to have him for the next 10 years, but to have someone that can slot in at this stage of the season where we just needed someone who could come in and deliver and, bring output straight away he is you know he's paid his transfer fee two times over for me already he has been a fantastic addition to this team and it's great that we can bring him in and rest kind of any one of those front free and have no drop off in quality yeah it's quite interesting that there's the January
0: signings that we made um in Trossard and Jorginho right at the beginning of the window you, you say to Arsenal fans that's what you're going to get or come 31st of January and I think most of us have probably gone yeah but on the 31st of January when that's coming in, I think a lot of us were like, yeah, no, that, that, that's good, add us the depth. But Amanda, from your perspective, did you ever perceive that we would have such success from the likes of Trossard? I thought, I knew he was good, but I didn't realise how good he was.
3: Well, you know how I am, Chris. I don't judge anyone. <laughs> Everyone was ranting and raving over Mudrick. I didn't even know who he was. I don't don't really take much notice until they put an Arsenal top on and start to play for us, whether they're good or not. So you could have had Messi coming in, and I still would have gone, well, we've got to see how he plays for us. I don't judge anyone. Um, So for me, Trossard seemed like a good fit, but it did also seem like a desperate thing because we didn't get Mudrick. However, I didn't ever dreamed that he would slot in this quick, this easy. And the fact that when they announced yesterday, I got to my seat and didn't even realise Saka wasn't playing. And I went, oh, I was a little bit like, okay, he's on the bench though. Maybe he's resting him, a bit tired, he'll come on for 20 minutes. Um, I didn't know he was ill the day before. Um, And I was okay with it. I was okay with it. He, needs a, he definitely needed a rest. However, Trossard slots in like he's been there 10 years and he plays the Arsenal way. He plays the Mikel way. He just fits us like an absolute glove. And I'm over the moon with him. I, I love him. I tweeted about him last night saying all those people that threw their toys out because he was only Leandro Trossard and not this Mudrick fella. Um, and I think you should go and look at the stats now for Mudrick and go and look at the stats for Trossard.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, like the comparisons, because um, I think Mudrick in in an Arsenal team would be much more effective. He'd be highly effective compared to what's happening in that absolute dumpster fire that is Chelsea at the moment. Um, And if you put Trossard in that Chelsea team, he's probably going to do better than um, Mudrick because he's he's Premier League oven ready, basically. But um, I do think you have to take those kind of comparisons with a pinch of salt. It's done. We move on. He can languish on his 200 grand a week or whatever he's on um at Chelsea and uh not be competing for the title whilst we're just see if we can keep on trying to win games but that first half Freddie I, I thought the first half was I don't know about you and I, I, don't, I don't know if this is just me but my natural pessimism I think I share that with you in that until we get the first goal I'm always saying to myself where I'm in the stadium or watching it at home this is going to be that week this is going to be the one week when we don't click and. Um, And so that first 30 odd minutes or so, it didn't feel, it felt to me, just watching it in real time, like, oh God, this is going to be one of those games. Did you feel like that yourself in that first half until that first goal went in?
2: I did, yeah. I felt that we weren't really imposing ourselves in the way that we would obviously be looking to. I felt like there was a few times where we gave up possession a bit too easily. Even just the way that we started the game, it was very similar to that Bournemouth start, you know, where they're on the attack straight away. Ramsdale was forced into a save. You know, they had a few shots on target yesterday and and on another day, one of those could have gone in. Um, So, you know, there was that little bit of a worry. What I will say is that um, Arsenal this season, as we've all seen, have tended to be really good from those losing positions. So even if we do, obviously, you end up going behind, um, there's always that feeling that we can come back and, and get something. I think it's only, uh, yeah, us and Crystal, Crystal Palace have, have sort of retrieved uh, or come back from losing positions and like an unbelievable amount of times this season. So we've always got that, uh, but you, you know, you you want to avoid putting yourself in that position. And there was that worry yesterday that perhaps you know we, we end up falling behind or um you know maybe it's just not going to click for us this week I remember when we we dropped points when we drew to Southampton was it earlier in the season and um, things just weren't really going for us that day and we didn't manage to sort of um, kick on and get ourselves back into it um but yesterday obviously once we once we got that penalty which at first I thought looked a little bit soft until obviously seeing it back and seeing that there was contact to his knee um then obviously that allowed us to kind of calm down a little bit, go a goal ahead and being at home, we 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 then eased into the game much more. But yeah, absolutely. In the first half, there were a few moments where I was feeling a little bit a little bit uh tetchy.
0: Yeah, me me too. So just a quick um yes or no uh round the uh round the table before I go to cookie on the actual penalty. Um as Freddie said, it probably was a penalty. Yes for you, Amanda, was it a pen?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Took so, it um, he, 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 he kicked his knee. It's quite blatant. It's it's hard when you're in the ground. So I just rely on people that are at home. Um, And my dad went, oh, they said it's a soft pen, but he wasn't watching it. So for me, I was like, I thought it was a penalty straight away. And I'm not normally like that. But yeah, for me, it was.
0: It was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it, James? Because he kind of, Luke Ayling goes down and then he sort of extends his leg and it just sort of, I think it's studs or something, or his toes just catches Jesus. And VAR are never going to rule that out. If there's contact and Jesus goes down, they're never going to rule it out, are they?
1: Yeah, I I mean, he does emphasise the contact, but I suppose you kind of got to, to make the referee make a decision these days, don't you? So, I mean, yeah, it is emphasised, but at the end of the day, there is contact. It is a penalty. Had it gone to VAR, it would have been given as a penalty. And to be fair, I have to give props to the referee for actually awarding it and not letting the ball go out of play and then letting it go to VAR, because I think there's been so many instances in recent weeks and months this season where officials have just let play run out and relied on VAR to make that decision. So fair play to the ref for making it on his own terms. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then the man steps forward,
0: Gabriel Jesus. I tell you what, if anybody in that stadium needed that, Amanda, I think definitely it was him and, I think Odegaard went to actually pick the ball up. And then he just handed it to Jesus. And as soon as he did that, I thought, brilliant. But I was reading today that he hasn't actually got that great a record on penalties. I think it was Ask blog that might have mentioned it this morning. But um, right thing to do and uh, good to get him off the mark, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I just let's just talk about the first 30 minutes. I was bored. I sat there and I said I was to call I'm bored. The atmosphere was weird. There was atmosphere, but you know, what I think about the drum. Not going to mention it anymore, but the drum. I just was a bit like, I, they, they, it wasn't dull and it wasn't a bad game, but the first 30 minutes, I was like, and then obviously the penalty change. The minute we get the penalty, I think for me, I didn't stress the whole game. I stressed more the day before. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes they say, don't they, if you, the penalties are you know, for you, you've got the penalty. Sometimes you shouldn't take it. But I was, I mean, over the moon. I mean, I'm even more over the moon that he scored from open play as well, which we'll come to. He needed that so badly. He get, Do you know what it's like? It's like he's never been away. It doesn't even look like he's got to come up to match fitness. He's already got it. He was yeah. everywhere yesterday. And, yes, Chris, he needed it. I, didn't, I don't watch penalties. I have to turn away. So I stood up and turned away. And as I was looking at everyone behind me, they've all got their phones out. I said, why have you all got – I don't know these people. I went, why have you all got your phones out? I just – I don't get why anyone would film a penalty being taken. I'm too stressed to even watch it, let alone film it. But, yeah, it, and it was a lovely penalty. I love the penalties when they're down the middle. I really do. That's that's my sort of penalty. I'm always saying to everyone, down the middle, because the goalkeeper always goes left or right. They never just stand there. So, uh, yeah, big up Yeah, to, but like, there was that –
0: there's that during you say that, but do you remember during the World Cup when we were in those friendlies? Um, and there was, I think, they went out, they went overseas, and uh, somebody, one of the Arsenal players, and I think PSG it might be, no, no, Leon, one of the Leon players, um, tried to do a Penenka, and the goalkeeper just stood there and just catches it. And I always <laughs> think yes, dangerous, you're always dangerous going for uh, going down the middle, but yeah, good penalty, um, puts us one nil up. We're going at half time, I think. As soon as we get that second goal, Freddie, quite early on, that Ben White goal, the game for me was it was about how much Arsenal could Arsenal could deliver it. But are you in the same position as me? Because when I watched that in real time, it felt to me like the goal actually took an age. Like maybe it's just the angle. Um, and obviously you're watching it on TV, so you could just correct me here. I'm wildly off. But from the angle that where my seats are, half of the people around me just sort of stopped and went, What's just happened? Did that actually go in? But it was great. Finished, and also, can I can I get you to give some props and hand some flowers out to Gabriel Martinelli? Because I thought his assist was fantastic.
2: Yeah, um, I know what you mean when you're in the stadium, and obviously from certain angles, sometimes it's difficult to tell how the ball's actually actually. Going to make it across the box from from such an angle, and obviously to see Ben White coming in at the back post was was a little bit surreal as well. For, at first, I thought it might have been somebody else, but the way that he came in, it was it was pretty. Na- it looked pretty natural. Um, but you're right. Um, yeah, the way that the way the ball travelled across the box, the the gap that Martinelli squeezed it through to, to have that vision. Um, you know, it might just look to some people like he swung up, swung a you know, a hopeful ball across the box, but it's more than that. It's the acknowledgement that someone's going to be making that back post run. It's the timing of it. It's to squeeze it through that small gap, as I said, to put enough on it, but also not too much, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult than it looks and uh, to have that sort of vision and be able to produce a cross like that, to, to give someone a tap in at the far post is, you know, is brilliant. So yeah, I was, and I was also really happy to see to see Ben White get on the end of it. I'm a big fan of his. I think what he's done um, in terms of, you know, being sort of, let's, you know, we all know that he's versatile. We know that he'd played it right back before, but let's face it, he was shunted out because Saliba and Gabriel are such a good partnership. And there's no shame in that at all. But the way that he has made that position his own, has become so dependable he's been you know the best in that position in the league you know alongside let's say Trippier and maybe one or two others but um what he gives the team from there is is so good and to see him pitching in with with um with goals like that and just getting into attacking positions is is brilliant so yeah i was i was really pleased with that goal and obviously it then set us on on our way to to win the game comfortably so yeah i was was very happy It was very,
0: very good. And before the game, um, we were having a debate over best right back in the league or even um, in European football at the moment. And this is the bit where I need to bring in Mr Cook because um, he just uh, very bluntly just said to me, who's better? So I'm going to give you a a few minutes to wax lyrical about uh, your man, Benny Blanco.
1: Oh God, where do I start? <laughs> and I, I honestly, I can't, I can't think of anyone better than him at the minute. I mean, let's not let's not go into Europe just yet because there are some very good players out there. But if we're just looking in the Premier League, who is better? Honestly, name me someone that is better. Trippi has had a good season. Uh, I mean, Rhys James is always injured. In terms of consistency, output, versatility, reliability, Ben White is your man, and what he's brought to this Arsenal team over last season and and you know, the way he's raised his game this season. He's just, uh, I think he's another one of these guys that we can talk about being a world-class footballer. I don't think that's an exaggeration. It's crazy that he doesn't get into the England team. Um, But I think I mentioned before, he's going to be one of these great club guys that probably doesn't get a look in in this current England setup. And I'm fine with that, so long as he's always available for Arsenal, which he always is. But if he can add this extra layer to his game where he's, you know, he was already making overlaps, but I think he's making them to a better level now. But if he's progressing even further, to a place where he can be in the box and finish opportunities like this. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy. So I've got absolutely no doubts whatsoever that he'll know when to get into those positions. And now he knows he can deliver on it. I'm confident we might see one or two more goals from him in these last nine games of the season, because he, he now knows he can do it. As I say, very intelligent player, very intelligent person. Loved his post-match interview as well, by the way, he he knows exactly what he's doing with his, uh, his words after the game. But, um, true professional fantastic footballer we're we're very lucky to have a player of his caliber at arsenal
0: yeah i loved it as well it was, what did he say he said something like they they were talking about the man city liverpool game he was like i don't know i don't watch football and you just know. Like, that that is I just ben that. white for a tea isn't it man did you
3: hear what he said about being um ahead and he said we've never been in this position before there's a lot of noise outside we just play our game we just get on with it he doesn't actually like football it's so bizarre how he speaks about he's got no love for it but he's absolutely 100% passionate about being our right back and winning the league it's so weird You've never, I've never heard a footballer say I'm not interested in football he just yeah. isn't yeah. It doesn't come it's, from that background at all as well
0: I mean he was, he was very good yesterday I do think that um... I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal The connection between him and Trossard inevitably is not going to be the same as uh, what it was with Saka. But as we talked about earlier, the ability we've had to be able to rotate in players that's actually going to be really, really useful. Ben White, however, is one player that we cannot rotate out. Like literally, we—he's—it's—it's it's funny with the Tomiyasu injury. He's almost become kind of like Party in that if it's if Party's out injured then there's a big dip in class. If Ben White goes down, like touch wood, you know, uh, cross everything, that he stays fit for the next nine games. Um, and as James said, you know, not having him, having played lots of international minutes and stuff like that, maybe that ends up being a blessing in disguise. But so we're uh, so we're 2-0 up. It's second half. We're pretty cruising. Um, and then... Um, Mr Trossard steps up. I mean, we, we score on 47 minutes, which is pretty good, straight after half-time to make us feel comfortable. And then Gabriel Jesus comes along on uh, 55 minutes. And you mentioned it earlier, Amanda, so I'm going to give you a minute or two just to talk about that goal, what you liked about it, and then uh, we'll get some thoughts from Freddie as well after that.
3: Right, so we had um, Martinelli assist uh, Ben White. We had, was this, who was assisted? Trossard. So it was Trossard with Jesus yeah. and um, Xhaka was assisted by somebody else. Odegaard. Right. And I love it. I absolutely love all this, that there isn't just one assisting everybody. It, they're all doing it. If Martinelli's not scoring, he's assisting. So he assisted yesterday instead of scored. And I just love it. And And the fact that he scored from open play. He he really needed that as well. Um, as he gives so much to the team. Look, we're not losing when he doesn't score. He is just pivotal, and and I love seeing him. And as I said, it's like he's never been away. The, the match fitness is incredible. He looks incredible. Um, lovely goal. What a lovely goal. And 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 I think it 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 meant more you know, um, because it was Jesus and it wasn't a penalty and it was from open play. And I just love him. I love everything about him, everything he does. I just just absolutely, the fact that he's won the Premier League with City, the fact that he's got a winning mentality is what I said the day he signed for us. I said, forget all the football. I don't really know much about him. I've watched him, obviously, when he played for City. And my city mate said to me when he signed, good player needs to add more goals. But he has become that the the winning mentality and the fact that he has got that mental strength to go all the way to the league. Him and Zinchenko have got that, you know, and it's so important. Plus his football, plus everything he brings to the pitch. He crosses that white line. He's like a tiger. He does not give up. And I absolutely love him. The thing is, when someone said the other day, "Who's your favourite player?" It is so hard to choose. I I fight between Saka and Erdegaard all the time. However, Jesus, Martinelli, Party, Ben White, Gabriel. I mean, come on, it's really hard. Zinchenko, I absolutely adore. Xhaka, we'll get him to him in a second. I mean, it's like a rebirth. Honestly, He's yeah. just incredible I've goals this season. I, I mean. I actually, when he headed the ball in for that guy, I was like, is that Xhaka? I just, it it just, it's, you could write. I'll tell you something. Someone should do a film about his story from beginning to end at the Arsenal, because what a story. You wouldn't believe it when he was booed off that night, and he's throwing the jersey on the pitch, and everybody wants him gone. And he was not great in the position he was in. People kept saying he's just not a DM. Well, he's not. Now he is playing in the right position. But this is about Jesus. Love him him fit to the end of the season. He's given, him, given us something, extra. And what I'm loving still is so many pundits to still staying. No, it's still going to be City. City are going to come in. Let them carry on. I'm happy for that. I don't want anyone to tip us.
0: Yeah. Uh, Freddie, on uh, on Gabriel Jesus, I don't want to cut you out of the uh, conversation here because I, I think it's quite an interesting one. It's quite a street... I'm sure I heard somebody say he's quite a streaky player, and so if this is the start of it for the beginning of the a little run for him, I mean, it's gonna that's gonna go a long way to seeing us over the line. If fingers crossed, we can win the title, isn't
2: it? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think you know we need him fit and firing if we're really gonna you know finish this season strongly. We we were under no illusions that his. Injury was 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 going was potentially really damaging for us, and obviously we managed to make do really well in that period. But now we need we need him to to, to contribute well towards the end of the season, which is why it's so encouraging to see him um, getting back to to you know full match fitness and obviously pitching in with goals. Now um, I completely agree with what you said, Amanda, about how encouraging it is to see different players chipping in with goals as well. I think uh, the last I think I read somewhere the last time that we had four players in double figures for goal contributions in a season was like 2012 with Giroud, Walcott, it would have been Kazola and Podolski. So it tells you how long it's been since we've had that sort of all-round contribution. And, and even in the league in general, I think it was a, it was a couple of seasons ago that, that, that any team had four players in double figures and it was Man City. Um, so, you know, it shows you how important that can be. Um, Jesus, I think, as well, just on that goal that he scored the, from open play, um, why that was so encouraging for me is that obviously... If, if you were to pick one gripe with him, not a gripe, but, you know, if one thing that you want to see a little bit more is is sometimes I think in front of goal he overthinks it a little bit. He's so, you know, he's so good on the ball and he wants to take it round players and sometimes I just want to see him be a bit more clinical and there's, you know, Arteta's been very honest about that. Jesus himself has spoken about his frustrations sometimes this season where he felt like he could have had more goals in certain games. And so it was great to see him just make that instinctive run. Trossard twisting and turning. It was like watching Hleb or, or someone like that, a bit of a, like a Hleb Arshavin type player. Um, put that ball in and then, and then for, for Jesus just to finish it so clinically like that, it was really encouraging for me. So more of the same, um, I hope.
0: Yeah, me too. The thing about what I liked about that goal is it really felt like a tenacious sort of poachery type goal. It was like a little bit scrappy. It was a good run by Trossard and he's cut the ball back and Jesus just has the hunger and tenacity just to sort of squeeze in between the defenders, just almost toe poke the ball in. That's the sort of goals we need to see. That's the sort of goals that we need to be scoring as well. Um, guys in the chat, uh, thank you very much for everybody. Uh, John, Fiona, Maka, Carl, um, all putting some interesting stuff in the chat. If you've got any questions, whack them into the chat box. Amanda will star them and then we will answer them right towards the end. Of the Can last we just of say hello
3: thing. to someone very special? Go on. This is our um, Man United fan who comes on the show every week. I'm really sorry, Barnaby, but all of us are pretty happy that Newcastle beat you. We don't like your team, but we love you. That's all I'm gonna say. We don't like your Actually, team. As an aside
0: as, as an aside there, we'll get back onto the game because I want to talk about the Leeds guys, with cookie in a minute. But um are you happy like I'll start with Freddie and then I'll ask Cookie are you actually happy that United and or Newcastle won because we've got to play Newcastle in about three weeks time and I could really do with them not being in the running because if they've got nothing to play for then maybe uh, maybe it's an easier trip to St James's what do you reckon?
2: I'm happy is... that United lost. I hate yeah, United. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I. I really <laughs> hate United. So, but <laughs> yeah. but I get what you're saying. That 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 trip to St James's Park is going to be a, a tough one. So I get what you're saying. But yeah, United to lose every game, I, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I take it you with the same then, Amanda.
3: Yeah, I I don't want United to win a throw in let alone a game. I just can't stand them. But this Barnaby's so lovely. I feel quite bad for him he comes on every week. He's been with me since he's been with us since I interviewed uh, Mark Goldbridge on here. So he's like, you know, he, he loves our pod. So I w- I always want to give him um a, a shout out and he's just said look, very frustrated with the result but we move. The thing is I think a lot of United fans thought and I did too, I can't deny it that Come February time, I thought they were in the running. I was more worried about them than City because they were playing better than City. But consistency is key, as we know, and they haven't been consistent. Um, so yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, Newcastle away is is the potential banana skin. But we listen. Let's just take one game.
0: Yeah, time that's one uh, game. We'll come, we'll, we might get time to look at the fixtures and get terrified about our running um, after we've talked about the game. But uh, James. Um, Leaders goal. I thought that was a bit lucky because it took the the ball across. I can't remember who put the ball across to um, to the, their goal scorer, but that took a deflection. And then when he struck it, that also took a deflection off Sinchenko. Just a bit unfortunate. Is there anything that we could have done differently, do you think?
1: I think we were just in cruise control at that point. And to be honest, maybe we needed that goal to wake us up a little bit. It, it's frustrating to concede because we should have kept a clean sheet yesterday. I mean, I can't think of, apart from those early chances Leeds had, I can't think of anything that they created in the game. So to not have the clean sheet, I really do feel for Aaron Ramsdale because I know he'll have been fuming about that and he's probably got one eye on that um, golden glove at the end of the season. So yeah, I do feel for him. But um, in terms of conceding the goal, I mean, I don't want to get ultra-critical because I really don't think in the grand scheme of things it matters that much, to be honest with you. In terms of goal difference, it would have been good to have an extra goal on the board. But, I mean, uh, Zinchenko probably shouldn't turn his back. don't think you can blame Ramsdale for not getting to the, to the ball. Um, it is what it is. I'm not too worried about it. it. We we went on to score and have the final words at the end of the game anyway uh, through that lovely jacket goal, which um, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on. But, yeah, I don't think there's too too many reasons to read into it.
0: Yeah, I think I, I, I go back to um, Ramsdale in that All or Nothing documentary where, like, we just won, and he goes and sits down and puts his head in his hands, and he's just really cheesed off. And Edu comes up to him and says, "Cheer up, we've won." And he'll 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 be particularly frustrated. I would have thought uh, Ramsdale with uh, with conceding that, and particularly when there's not really a lot he can do about it. But um, Amanda, uh, from your perspective, what do you reckon on that on that goal? Would you just chalk it off as a? unlucky and move on
3: yeah i mean listen i was just talking to carl about this before i do actually believe that you know when they like focus on oh we can't get a keeper keen sheet i don't really care if we're going to win 4-1 every game i don't really care now obviously if it comes down to goal difference and that's what we're discussing yes every goal matters we're two goals behind city i think um Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to come down to goal difference, to be honest. I really don't. I don't think it's going to be like 1989 when we needed to win two clear goals. Um, so I'm not fussed about it. However, obviously, I don't like goals being scored against us. Um, I think we went to sleep a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, and I think that, I, you know, it's, it's very unfair. And I know how you and um, Cooks think about holding. And you're not, you weren't concerned for Leeds, but you're very concerned for Liverpool. And I feel that he knows that. I'm not saying he reads social media or anything like that, but he feels that tension. You know, he's not Saliba, but he's not terrible. And I thought he played all right yesterday. Um, but I feel that if Sinchenko didn't turn his back, it might have been different. But I haven't really focused on it from honest Chris. You know, if it was one all, yeah, it would have been more, but we've won four one. Yeah. So, You know what I mean? Perhaps I'm wrong and I should be looking at that.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. Because as James was saying, um, as Cookie was saying, we were in cruise control. And then there was, Freddie, there was just that moment that, that there was, I reckon there was probably about a five minute window after they scored where it felt like, and again, this might just be the fan in me sat in the stadium. I've had a few beers and so therefore I'm suddenly nervous because I'm thinking, you know, I was at, the Newcastle Arsenal 4-4 all those years ago, I was in the ground when that unpleasantness unfolded. So I've got, I'm wearing those battle scars. What was your kind of view from that perspective in terms of once the goal goes in and then that sort of five minute window and then give us a, give us a bit of of thoughts on the, uh, on the goal that Xhaka scored as well.
2: Yeah, I think obviously we've all, we've all been scarred in the past of seeing Arsenal teams of old that um, have wilted under pressure or have given silly opportunities away and ended up uh putting themselves in positions that they shouldn't have been in i do think that um yeah you're right to say that once they scored obviously they had the wind in their sails a little bit but i was always comfortable that we'd see the game out i was always um you know i always felt that we would um and obviously it was maybe what six seven maybe eight minutes after that we scored yeah Xhaka's goal, which which I think is credence to the point that I make about the fact that there wasn't too much panic. I think, you know, we we'll just get on the ball and we'll create another chance before the game ends. And I think also that's why perhaps it's easier not to dwell too much on the fact that we conceded, which can be a bit frustrating. But the fact we finished the game then by scoring another one uh, kind of buries their goal a little bit in, in the memory. Um, but yeah, I think Xhaka's goal was brilliant. Um, the ball from from Odegaard was was great. And to see Xhaka making that run and being a threat in that way as he's done so often this season, was was brilliant. It's it's incredible. I know we've spoken about it briefly already, but the turnaround from him and, and what Arteta has been able to do um, to bring out the best in him, because I remember interviewing him a few years ago and, and one thing that's always stood ab- stood out about him is firstly how much he cares about the club and, and what he does, um, but also how much of a good leader he is and how, how respected he is by other people. So all of those things were there, but then for Arteta to absolutely nail it on the kind of playing side and find him a role that, Xhaka has openly admitted he wasn't sure that he could do in the first place um it's just is, is is testament to the job that Arteta's doing and and also to Xhaka's professionalism to to give that role a go and give it everything and look at look how it's turned out so yeah was um it's just funny watching him you know to see him getting on the end of chances like that and just you know scoring scoring goals consistently I think he said after the game that he'd promised his wife uh a goal for her 30th birthday, and and he delivered. And it's just funny that he could be so confident about doing that now because that's the player that he is. So, uh, fair play to him. Yeah, very, very happy for him.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic goal. It was one of those goals. If it was a centre forward, that's the sort of thing that, you know, um I know I invoke his name on an Arsenal podcast uh, at my peril, but it's the sort of thing you expect to see the likes of Harry Kane scoring or, you know, a, a Marcus Rashford or a Callum Wilson. You know, those are the sort of goals that, that hold they, on. They
3: t- We've got breaking news what potter has been sacked from chelsea Ooh. wow i'm not surprised i said day one he doesn't fit them I've, honestly i've said it day one yeah everyone's saying it in the chat potter's been and sacked and this is
0: what and this is what people said when todd bowley brought him in people said Is is he is he going to be the kind of guy that invests in a project? We need to remember that Arteta, um, when Arteta, when we hit our nadir under Arteta and we were really struggling, you know, we were down there in the league um, a couple of seasons ago, a few seasons ago, you know, a lot of people were questioning. Arteta and his methods, and whether or not we'd make we'd made a mistake, but the club stuck with him. They really did stick with him. They were like they were very very vociferous with no, he's not going anywhere. Whereas that's been a bit quiet from Chelsea um, of recent weeks. I feel, and they're just they've never been a club that I'm going to get everyone's view on this. Actually, just a minute or two on that, seeing as it's breaking news. They're going to get um they're never they've never been a club that's willing to you know invest time in their managers so james i'll go to you and then i'll go to freddie and then amanda just some thoughts on that on that potter sacking let's just keep right. it to a minute each because but we we've got don't to play really chelsea <laughs> yeah new
1: manager bounce isn't it oh god james come go yeah um it is a difficult one with chelsea uh, i was really su- i'm actually surprised at the news that they sacked him uh, because i was kind of under the impression that they would give potter until the end of the season and almost treat these next nine, ten games for them as effectively a long pre-season ahead of next season because they, they've they given him what a long contract. There are all these players that, uh, you know, how many of them are Potter players? I'm not so sure. If, if, if any are Potter players, I, I'm convinced that um, someone like Mudrik wasn't his signing. Um, it feels like a lot of these players have just been kind of mushed together and they've just said, here you go, you know, go and do your thing, make it all work. And um, I mean, when you're in an environment that is that chaotic, it's going to be difficult for any manager. And obviously, I I, I wouldn't be surprised they had some sort of bounce. And I was saying to my dad the other day that it would be the most Chelsea thing ever if they finished about 12th or 13th but won the Champions League. And maybe that's what they're trying to do because at the minute with Graham Potter at the helm, there's no way they're going to get past Real Madrid. I still look at their team and I think, you know, there's enough talent within that squad. If, if someone comes in and makes it right, then there's no reason why they couldn't click and make it work. But um, it's just kind of... You know, it, it sums up Chelsea that they've gotten rid of him, kind of so early into his tenure. I do think he wasn't the right fit, um, but like I said, I I, I am surprised. Um, but when you're coming out after games like yesterday against Villa, and he's saying that it was a good performance, I mean, come on. I don't know if any of you watched that game, but my God, they were really, really poor. Um, but I just hope it continues. But uh, I just sincerely hope that they don't come to Emerson put in a performance because we really need to win that game. We do. We need to win all of
0: those home games. Just Freddie, just a minute or two. Any thoughts on that Potter sacking?
2: Yeah, to echo a lot of what, what you just said, Cookie, I think um, they got their strategy all wrong. So they've they brought in a manager who... Um, obviously had a very strong handle over the players that he signed when he was at Brighton he implemented a really strong system and that was you know, what characterised that Graham Potter team and why they were good Um, but obviously uh, as you said, he's been sort of given a very inflated squad, they've signed all these players, um, expected him to do something with it and, and clearly that's not been easy for him to do so I think that that was a little bit you know, it's been difficult for him, I don't want to make excuses for him because I do think he was out of his depth when you manage a club like Chelsea, although I don't have much respect for Chelsea as a club. I don't want to call them a big club, but there is expectation there. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a different kind of job to what he's ever had before. And I think just to finish my point, um, to agree again with what's already been said, you know, if they look at this season now, the only thing they can salvage from it is doing well in Europe. And they had a manager at the helm that, you know, has shown no evidence whatsoever that he would be able to win in the Champions League, therefore... They've probably, you know, they've made a smart decision to, to get rid and, and think about how maybe they can win the Champions League. But um, I just hope the next manager is an even bigger failure at Chelsea. And that would that would please me a lot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because Potter is a project manager. They, they, they decided to bring in somebody as a project manager and then they haven't actually given him the tools to develop his project. They've basically just chucked, they've tried to go Galacticos. They've gone a Galactico tr- approach for signings with a project manager, which is just bizarre. Like, they, they'd they do better to have somebody a bit like an Ancelotti in who's just going to put his arm around players. But Amanda just...
2: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
0: just to any any final bits before we move back on to Arsenal because I don't want to turn this into the Chelsea fan podcast.
3: <laughs> no, I I actually think he fits Spurs more than he did Chelsea and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up there. That's the sort of club that I think he could manage. I feel he was a good manager at Brighton, I really did, but I just think Chelsea was a step too far for him. I never liked it from day one. I couldn't put my finger on it. I said he doesn't fit them. He's not he's not the Chelsea manager. Um, No, that's it. Just breaking news while we were recording.
0: Yeah, indeed. Okay, let's get back to the Arsenal. Um, Let's talk about we were talking about Granit Xhaka just about just before you uh, you gave us that breaking news, Amanda. Um, What I find really interesting is two to three years ago, I'd have chats with my mates, Arsenal mates, and the ones that were saying, you know, what's happening with Arteta or the people that weren't convinced by Arteta. I'd heard heard a few people say, who has he improved? Well, the, the adage of you can't. Not teach an old dog new tricks is clearly not true because, in footballing terms, granite Xhaka is like 29 years old, uh, going on 30, and he's basically retrained into a different position that you know we've never seen. You know, he's been a deep lying, almost quarterback style, uh, defensive midfielder, and we're playing him as a more advanced left eight this season. Arteta said, and it's been well documented, he came out and he had a chat with Xhaka in the summer and said, Look, I'm going to change your position. Um, can you do it? If you can't do it, no problems. We'll shake hands and I'll find somebody else. Granite Xhaka came back. This is what Arteta has said lighter, fitter, stronger, and willing to change and adapt his his own game. So I really think that there's a lot of people that haven't been convinced by Xhaka. I've always been a big fan, but I think there are a lot of people. And Kiki, I'll, I'll bring you in on this to get some thoughts as well. Um, I really think a lot of people, this season particularly, even those staunch um, detractors of Granite Xhaka, have probably come around to him this season, certainly. What do you reckon?
3: I just think that, I mean, I remember being on a podcast with you and you asked me that question. Do you remember when you said, would you give Granite Xhaka a new contract? And I said, no, he's not good enough. I said, no. However, he has been been played in the wrong position since he started with us. This is his right position. And this mm. is where he plays absolutely fantabulously well. And would I give him a new contract now? Absolutely, yes, I would. I want him there. Absolutely. I think he's been brilliant. I hold my hands up. Didn't want him when he did what he did that day. Um, when he threw his jersey on the pitch, you don't do that. But absolutely. As I said at the beginning, Chris, write, write a story about him and that would be made into a fantastic football film because he's possibly, I said possibly, going to be in a in a Premier League winning side to the point yeah. where he used to get sent off and he's fouls. Touch wood, I've not seen him foul this season the way he used to. I've not seen any idiot um tackles or lunges or you know, you never and, and you know we've stopped saying now, isn't it? If that was Xhaka, because Xhaka doesn't do that anymore. He's just not that sort he's playing in the right position. We have said this. But um very impressed with him, very pleased, and he works his socks off. He's definitely, definitely a brilliant vice captain.
2: Yeah,
0: he's a, it's great to have those kind of experience. Like We keep talking about this being the youngest Arsenal team, but it's great to have people like Xhaka who have got the experience. I think on the fouls or the cards, I always find it quite funny. Like He, he picked up yellow card, Xhaka, but he, if you look at the amount of times he's had red cards in his career, he hasn't been sent off as much as people seem to suggest. But, James, I want to keep you in on this uh, Xhaka-loving because I know you're like me and you've always been a big fan of him. Um I think part of the reason why he hasn't been picking, he hasn't been fouling as much, is because we're playing him in an advanced position now. So he's not, he's not um, required to be in positions of danger where he's isolated. I just don't think that happens anymore, and that's probably a result. But James, just some thoughts from you on um, the Granite Jacker debate.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one, Jacker, isn't it? Because he's been through so much in his Arsenal career. He's played with so many different players alongside him. And I remember when he first came into the team and we played under this kind of rigid 4-2-3-1 under Wenger and he was partnering Aaron Ramsey or Coquelin or whoever it might be. I mean, that's a real throwback for you there. Um and then we kind of moved to that 3-4-3 and then we had the Emery years and then we had the beginning of the Arteta tenure where he was partnering the likes of Ceballos. Um, but now we're playing him further up the pitch and there's not that reliance on him to be a defensive midfielder because that, he's not that anymore. hes I, I never think of Jacker as a defensive midfielder in any capacity this season. But by allowing him to be higher up the pitch, he is still tackling and he does make the occasional foul, but he's not making those sort of fouls or tackles in positions that are dangerous to us in any way, shape, or form because they're normally in the, you know, final third of the opposition half. So it's it's a huge benefit to us. And the fact he's adding goals to his game, amazing passes as well. Like his ability to pass the ball and find someone is absolutely exceptional. Um but for me he's been one of those, again, another one of the, I'm not afraid to use the term world class because he generally has delivered kind of consistent eight out of the tens this season, apart from maybe a, a slight dip after the World Cup, a very, very slight dip of it being ultra critical. But right now he's he's right at the peak of his powers. And I think it's going to be really interesting come the summer because... He's going to be 31 in September, and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. I mean, in his entire tenure at Arsenal, he's been here, what, seven seasons? Playing the best football by a country mile. And um, if he keeps his fitness, his consistency, his availability, I mean, for God's sake, he played two games for Switzerland before he came back into this Arsenal team at the weekend. So he's certainly not a guy that's showing any signs of fatigue or or old age um, in any way, shape or form. So, I, I think if we can have him playing to a similar level next season, keep part in the team and add a Declan Rice in, I mean, the options you've got there are absolutely sublime. And I, I honestly think he will be at this Arsenal team until his mid-30s, maybe not playing as regularly as he is now. But there's, there's absolutely no reason why he can't continue in this uh, rich vein of form for, for years to come if he keeps his fitness. Yeah, I 100% agree with you because he's not exactly somebody whose pace
0: is going to leave him because he's never had any pace. Um, he's, he's somebody that has stayed um, relatively, you know, touchwood fit. And um, there's that uh, a, a very famous phrase that a lot of people say, which is the best ability is availability. He's got that. Um, <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm, with you, mate. I think we could get a couple more years out of him. Look, I, I want to sort of wrap up this Leeds game because I want to talk a little bit around seats and ticketing Um, because there were some empty teats yesterday. And also, I want to ask you guys how terrified you all are about Liverpool. Um, But just before we do that, is uh, Amanda, then Freddie and then Cookie, anything final from the, as we wrap up, anything final from this game that you just wanted to highlight that maybe I've forgotten about because I don't write all of the uh, points down and I tend to make it up as I go along?
3: No, it would have been lovely if Martinelli would have scored when the goalkeeper came out. It was a good shot, and it was cleared. Um, No, I thought I really enjoyed it after the penalty. He then got into it. We came out second half. He he shifted it a little bit, didn't he? He But Ben White up a little bit more. Trossard was more into it. Lovely to see Saka come on. But I do say that every time a player goes down, I'm having a heart attack. I can't. I honestly have anxiety. They can just be kicked slightly, and they go down rolling. You never know if it's acting or a bit dramatic or not and I can't take it you know I just can't take it but that's that's just me just being dramatic and worrying about every single game but we've got nine to go that was our 10th 10th yesterday so no just generally look we fully deserved it after the 30 minutes of a bit of subdued and um yeah roll on the Scousers.
0: Yes, roll on the Scousers. So again, Freddie, anything from that game that uh, I haven't probably highlighted that you just wanted to pick up on or do you just want to tell me how terrified you are about the fact that we play <laughs> Liverpool next weekend?
2: I think just one thing as a general theme, you know, um, that this Arsenal team, when you watch us, it's, you know, it's not just nice football, fancy flicks, talented players. We're a well-oiled machine. We're a well-coached team. Um, you know, there's there's clear patterns of play. There's a clear identity. They, they they all have clear roles and they're, they're all clear on those roles. Um, and it's just a joy to watch. I think we're a, a very good, disciplined team. Um, and although I am feeling very, very worried um, <laughs> about the impending trip to Anfield and obviously how the title race could play out, um, I'm just looking forward to enjoying the rest of the season the same way that I have been enjoying the season so far. I think that's important because if you can't enjoy it um, when your team are, are this good, then, you know, what's the point? um look that's not to say I won't be gutted if we don't win the league of course I will um I'm gutted whenever we we drop any points but um but yeah i i think we uh, we're we're a joy to watch at the moment and i'm excited we really are a joy to watch 23
0: matches 23 sorry 23 wins three draws and three defeats all this season that's a pretty phenomenal record 72 points like we're scoring goals for fun as well like yesterday 3.8 xg um off of, uh, of four goals you know we've I need to update my our, my priors with regards to Arsenal, and I'm going to start talking. Cookie, I'll bring you in on this to talk about the Liverpool fixture. And when I talk about updating my priors, I'm thinking about you know you, you and I were talking yesterday, and I was saying, oh, this this absolutely shocking Liverpool side uh, getting battered to to Man City, but you can tell you can bet bet your bottom dollar that they'll turn into the Harlem Globetrotters next weekend at Anfield. But as Freddie was just saying there. This is a good team. This is an exciting team. This is a team that, as and Freddie said earlier as well, has come from behind. I think I saw something on Sky Sports today saying that um, we've picked up 15 points from losing positions this season. Like That's pretty, that's five Five of our wins this season have come from losing positions, including being two down to, to Bournemouth. So there's a mentality of this Arsenal team that's better. And
1: why can't we go to Liverpool and get a win? What do you reckon, Cooks? Absolutely no reason why we can't go there and get a win. It's just you would expect to see an entirely different Liverpool team to the one that you and me watched in the pub yesterday. I I would be amazed if that Liverpool showed up. And they have got a good record at home. It's not been perfect. Mm -hmm. And And as we've seen, they can definitely turn it on. And very quickly turn it off as well. I mean, they, they beat United 7-0. They had a 2-0 lead against Real Madrid and got battered 5-2 on their own patch. So this is a very inconsistent and surprising Liverpool team, I think, is the word to sum them up, really, because you just don't know what to expect from them. But I thought they were really, really passive in the game yesterday. And just mentally, they don't look anywhere near like the Liverpool team that we've seen. I mean, we've we've always kind of viewed them as mentality monsters, but their midfield on a technical level, isn't anywhere near as good as it has been in recent years. I don't think their forward line is anywhere near as potent because Jota's come back in after that injury. He doesn't look the same player. If we were going to Liverpool and they had, you know, uh, Roberto Firmino, that was a couple of years younger, they had uh, Mohamed Salah of last season or the season before, and they had a certain Sadio Mane in the team, I would be petrified going into this game. But the fact is they don't. And uh, as good as Cody Gakpo is, as good as Jota can be on his day, as good as Salah is, he's a world-class player on his day. Um... I think we're a better team and I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that if we go there and play our game, we've got every opportunity in the world to win this. And if we could go to Anfield and do the exact same as what we did at Spurs, that would be fantastic. And I don't think it would be as easy, but you've got to think going into that game away at White Hart Lane, the, the atmosphere there would have been fierce. Going into it, the atmosphere going into Anfield will be fierce as well. If we just play our game in the opening 10, 20 minutes, subdue the crowds, you know, we, we don't even have to get an early goal. That'd be fantastic. But if we just show, you know, we're the ones imposing ourselves here, keep the ball, keep them at arm's length. I really think, and I said this to you yesterday, the game will be won in midfield. If you look at our midfield three, Jacka, parte, Erdegard, compared to the one that they had yesterday of Fabinho, Henderson, and Elliot, ours should walk all over this, and I don't mean that to sound arrogant but you look at them next to each other Fabinho isn't the same player Elliot kind of looks a little bit out of sorts in that role at times Henderson is a little bit over the hill we've got three players in their absolute peak there and I'm getting ahead of myself it definitely won't play out like this but we're a fantastic team and we all know Liverpool can be on their day but if we want to really assert ourselves in this title race we we should go there and win even with Rob Holding in the team why are we <laughs> focusing? One,
3: why are we focusing on Liverpool? All I've heard you say is Liverpool, 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 to Cooks. They should be worried about us.
1: Because he asked me <laughs> about Liverpool. Be... What? What, no, what do you want them out to come? No,
3: at? I'm saying like all you, like you're saying. I'm concerned about this. Look, I'm only concerned because it's a bit of a bogey side for us. They're not good enough to beat us. If we're on our game, oh, we're going to beat don't them. don't talk
0: like that. No, You're Chris, we should.
3: It. Listen, we're not talking City here. We're talking a very average Liverpool side. Look what happened oh, to yesterday. What are you doing? No, I'm not saying... But, but what I'm saying is Cooks is Talk oh, like that. Talk like that. Is, if is, we've beaten is,
0: them next Sunday, talk like that afterwards. I'm not don't talking talk like, that now. like
3: we've beaten them, but why are we so scared of an average side? You know, I'm not scared of them. I'm more worried going to Newcastle, okay? Before Newcastle, I'll be terrible. Before City, I'll be terrible. But before Liverpool, if we've got everyone fit and even holding, right, I'm all I'm all right. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to win at Anfield. And I'll hold my hands up. And if I sound wrong, I'm not just – I'm not, like, being cocky or anything like that. I'm just saying all I heard out of Cooksey's voice was them, what about us? They should be worried about us. Their fans should be sitting there. And to be honest, they're going to want to lose anyway because they hate City. There's no way they're going to want City to win the league. But that's not even here nor there. I know. Look, I know what Unique is saying. I agree with you. That's why I said it's a bogey side. I've been to Anfield so many times. I have only seen us win once, and that was in '99. So I'm not going. So that you're all lucky on that one. But I think Newcastle will be harder. I will be petrified before Newcastle. So let them worry about us. They're pretty average. They they really are. If we're on our game, we're gonna beat them, Chris.
0: Right. After you after you've just cursed <laughs> us, thanks for that. So we get some we we've got five minutes left. Shall we go on to some questions? Do you want to I've take got over to the mic? And, loads uh, and of questions.
3: questions. God. Go Thank you for all your questions tonight. And while I'm reading this all out, can you just go and press like, please? Thank you. It does mean a lot to us. Okay, so Robert Stevens, I do have a question for: Who would you start for next week's game against Liverpool? Bearing in mind, Trossard did get a hat trick the last time he played there.
0: Shall we let our guests start with that, Freddie? Yeah, go wanna... on, Freddie.
2: Uh, it's uh, it's a horrible one to be given. Um, I think <laughs> how I expect us to start. I think honestly, it will be Martinelli, Saka, and Jesus. Uh, with Trossard as an option to come off the bench, who can obviously play in various different positions. I you, There's obviously merit in saying that Trossard should start the game because not only, obviously, how well he played when he was last at Anfield, um, but also just how well he's been playing for us. Obviously, he gives us something a little bit different and he's, he's uh, provided so many assists already, so... Um, yeah, I can, I can see why there's an argument for him to start. But I do think I would probably go with Saka and uh, and Martinelli out wide and Jesus down the middle and then have Trossard to to come on because I think we'll we'll definitely need to make that sub at some point. Um, so that's the way I would probably go. But don't ask me why.
3: OK, so we're going to let you answer this one, Freddie. Does anyone think we will win at Anfield when our record is so bad? I think we're going to win at Anfield. It takes a yeah. lot for me to say that.
2: Uh, look, as you said we've all been to Liverpool away so we've all got scars from from um obviously some good memories as well <laughs> you mentioned 89 but recent years you know there's we're all a bit scarred um what I would say is that yeah for the first time in many years they'll be more worried about us than we are about them um I think if we turn up and impose ourselves then we've got every chance but obviously um Liverpool being at home and and sort of how up and down they can be when they're up they're really up when they're down then you know they, they shouldn't It shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, So hopefully we get them on a down day. Um, Do I think we'll we'll win? I'm going to have to say, look, of course I fancy us because we are such a good team this season and we've got the wind in our sails. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a much more difficult game than some people have seemed to suggest.
3: No, I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult, Freddie, (laughs) at all. Okay, but if we're on our game, we should beat them. Carl Stark says, does holding potentially facing Liverpool fill anyone with a sense of dread? Cookie.
1: Um <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> not sure how to answer this one. I, I I feel uh, a lot more comfortable with Rob holding after these past couple of games and um I'm still not sure. What to expect from him going into a game against Liverpool, because in in these past couple of games, he's not really been tested to the level where we can properly judge him. I would say his passing range has got a lot better. I think the players around him are a lot more comfortable to give him the ball than they have been in previous seasons. He imposes himself. He was first to almost every header yesterday. So there's no reason to feel, you know, borderline nauseous about him playing in the game. Um, and I do sort of think even if he does start, it makes us a little bit more exposed defensively. But football is a team sport and the players around him are absolutely fantastic. So I, I'm not going to be absolutely petrified if he does start a game. And if that's uh, you know at the expense of keeping William Saliba fit and fresh for potentially the game away at Man City, I think that's a decision that we've got to take. Um, but... It is, it is what it is. If he starts, he starts. I'll be fully behind him, as we all will be. And he has played well in his past two games. So let's not uh, let's not get too downbeat about it if he does play the game.
3: Okay. Unique, 79 again. Hi, Unique. I believe that if we beat Liverpool next week, we will we'll go on and win the league. What do you all think? Chris?
0: Oh, I knew you'd give me that question because <laughs> I've been deliberately trying to avoid talking about uh, winning the league because I feel like I have... In, in the cosmos, in the universe of football, I believe that I have some sort of impact on how Arsenal perform, which is why I would never, ever uh, say things like you, that came out of your mouth about the fact that we're going to beat Liverpool before we've actually played them. But uh, do we win the league? Um... Jewelry isn't
1: a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to
0: find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without
1: notice,
0: I always felt like we needed the buffer of a minimum of six, seven points. Now, we've got eight points clear at the moment, but they've got a game in hand. Mm. And in my head, that buffer is Liverpool away and Man City away because I think we've got a better chance of beating, even though Newcastle are doing all right, I think we've got a better chance of beating them. I think I do think Liverpool at home are harder than Newcastle at home. Um, so if we if we navigate Liverpool with three points, so we're maintaining that eight-point distance... We've then, I think we then play Southampton, which, again, you'd expect us to win. We've got West Ham after they've played in a, a Europa Conference League uh, game. And that might be all they're playing for us if they get out of relegation. So the buffer, if the buffer remains after Sunday um, afternoon kickoff uh, next week, then I think we might, you know.
3: So then Cole <laughs> wants to know, which team does Chris think are going to come second this season? Oh. <laughs> Man United. Really?
0: No, I'm not answering it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Let's ask Robert Stevens. I have two questions. Your top four in order. Second, we're not going to answer that, Robert. We're not going to do these top four in orders yet. Let's go a little bit longer through the season. I'm in control of the question. So we're going to answer your second one. What would your starting 11 be for next week's game against Liverpool, Freddie?
2: I mean, I think I kind of answered it with with what I said about the front three. I think most of the team picks itself. I think uh we spoken earlier about where the game can be won and lost, and I think it was absolutely right to talk about that midfield area and if um you know it's it's been it's been great this season to largely have party available more than he has been in other in other seasons. I don't want to jinx it but um yeah i I think that most of the team picks itself and 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 that midfield is where I'll be looking at where the game can really be one and where we can really impose ourselves, and then I think you know the, with the front three, I would go Jesus down the middle now that he's got some momentum back, and as I said, have Martinelli and Saka out wide just because they have been so dangerous this season. I think Trent can be got out on that right hand side, and obviously Saka is our um, is our main man as I mentioned earlier, and then we have the option of Trossard and, and others potentially to come on and help. But yeah, that's the way I would go. I think the defense is you know self-explanatory. Um, obviously, if Holding has to play, then he he plays, but if Saliba's fit, then he comes back straight back in for me.
3: Chris Cooks, anything different to that?
0: No, I can't echo. I can't echo that sentiment enough. Really, it's the Saliba holding question. Um, Arteta did sound a little bit more positive in his press conference on Friday when he was talking about Saliba. So my hope is that they've looked at this game against Leeds and said we can bring Bob in for you know that game at home. Let's give William Saliba another week of resting, and then hopefully it'll um, be fit for for Anfield.
3: Very true um chris we are over an hour but we need to talk about the ticketing yes let's finish off with that yeah
0: so we were at the game yesterday um well three of us were at the the game yesterday and uh, i saw a few people on twitter and you and i were talking about this on twitter amanda who who had made comments around oh um you know the the seating situation, or I saw. I think it was the um, Gunners Town or Gunners Pub messaged me saying, "Oh, some people are, were saying that that was in the first few minutes there was empty seats because people were late getting in. There were empty seats throughout that game. I can confirm that having seen it with my own eyes. Twenty five minutes in, there were big chunks of empty seats underneath one of the big screens. Just give us your thoughts and some of the discussions that you've been having, Amanda, online."
3: So um I'm quite passionate about this so I sit in the east stand and I I looked left 5 minutes in and I looked at the clock ends up and I went oh my god there are so many seats but I thought, it was all right it's only 5 minutes people can be late it's not that easy getting in so I thought right I'm going to look at 25 minutes exactly the time you said and there was rows and rows of seats. Now, what I didn't know, so I took a picture and I tweeted it, and I'm no word of a lie, it's still going now while we're online. Since I've taken that picture and said, how oh, disgusting this is, I've had over 300 comments, I can't read them all, thousands and thousands of likes and tweets from people desperate, and I don't even exaggerate this, desperate for tickets. I've had four DMs today asking me to get tickets. It's happening every day. Yet you've got rows and rows of seats. But what I didn't know was, because I saw, um, I think, Guns and Yellow Ribbons, Fergus's picture, uh, under the clock where I couldn't see, there was like even more and I tweeted and I said I'm so disappointed to see this first of all we're going for the league there shouldn't be one empty seat when you looked at the west upper all the way around the north bank to me I couldn't really see a seat the odd one but not really even all corporates now taken up but the clock end was sparse up the top there was a whole row now, I don't know if touts have got it. I don't know if Arsenal have taken season tickets away. I don't know what's gone on. There's been a lot of chat on my... Lots of people responded to me that I've never communicated with before. And most I don't follow and they don't follow me. So this this picture has gone wide. And there's a lot of other pictures as well. I am distraught for people. I really, really am. It. I don't know what's going on. If it's ticket exchange issues, if it's bots buying them, it's got to be touts. You've got... You've got um, the Wolves game, our last game of the season. People have been so offered tickets for £20,000, £25,000. you got the money. If you're a millionaire, it's like twenty-five quid to you, and I get that. But where are they getting these tickets, and have they even got these tickets? Um, and I, I am really, really sad for the hundreds of people that are desperate to go, that have been going for years, that have got these red and silver memberships. There's no point in having them. They can't get tickets. Arsenal really need to sort this out. I tweeted Arsenal. What oh, are they going to listen to me? But I said you need to sort this out. If you've confiscated these tickets, give them to the people that want to come. But it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Chris, we we shouldn't have an empty seat. We shouldn't have one. We're going for the league. It's, it's, oh, I'm just so upset, and I think it's really interesting. Um, And no one believes me on this, and I really mean this. In the office on Friday, two boys said to me, one's Tottenham, one's West Ham, how much could I buy your ticket for? I said, you couldn't. He said, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. I went, and I'm honestly looking, at him going, there is no amount. Oh, come on, if I gave you a million, I said, I wouldn't sell my ticket for a million quid. You don't get it. We're going for the league. As if I'd sell my ticket for a million quid and sit at home and watch the Arsenal lift, if they're going to win it. I say if, I'm still not sure, but if they're going to win it. And this is how the people feel that can't even get a bloody ticket. And I am, I'm upset for them. And I don't agree that Arsenal don't care, Phil. I just think it's, I think it's tough for them. What do they do if people are buying tickets and then selling them on? And I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. And Karen said that all I see on a daily basis on Twitter, people begging for tickets, and there's empty seats. It's not right. This is. 100% true. I can show you DM after DM, people I don't even know, asking me to get them tickets. I'm gutted, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a sad state of affairs. Certainly, um, if you are a season ticket, all we can really do is is point people towards the ticket exchange, um, or if you if you have a season ticket and you can transfer it to a friend who's got a silver, just make sure you do that. That's the only real thing we can do, and hope that the clubber do something about it. I don't want to cut. We're just about to wrap up, but any final thoughts, just from your perspective, Freddie, and then James on on that ticketing situation.
2: Yeah, it's really poor. I mean, I remember seeing you know, when the Wolves game went on sale to silver members that um, I think Arsenal blocked something ridiculous, like half a million IP addresses, which just shows you the scale of the problem. Um, It's sad that, um, you know, people are seeing this as such an opportunity to cash in um, and deprive people that, as Amanda said, have been going for years on silver red memberships um, when other people couldn't be bothered to go. Um, And now they can't, they can't go themselves, which is a real shame. And I think Arsenal have got a lot of work to do. I, I do agree that um, they do care about it um, but I think that they've been uh, not maybe as proactive as they should have been they should have foreseen something like this would happen and also just in general around ticketing at Arsenal like the website is shocking Um, the buying tickets the box office system is crap it's been crap for years it needs it needs um, an upheaval it needs to be much much better because I think um that would solve at least some of the issue in terms of accessibility but yeah the 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 touting and the the bots buying up tickets i mean they need to they need to do something about it because it's just not fair
1: Hmm.
0: and final words from you cookie before we then wrap up tonight
1: yeah um freddie i think that's a great point you make about the uh actual website itself because I mean we're all very fortunate that you know, we've got season tickets and we don't necessarily have to um, worry about going on there and face the battles that red silver junior gunners um, have to face and but we've all been there you know I'm sure sure we have I've had a red membership in the past I've been a junior gunner I've, I've been up at silly o'clock to try and get Arsenal tickets And um, whenever I've gone on there, just out of curiosity myself, the platform is still the exact same as it was a decade ago, which is just absolutely mental. And the fact that they've not addressed that to make this more accessible and easier for Arsenal fans is just absolutely bonkers. But what I found really suspicious, maybe suspicious isn't the right word, but really curious um, in yesterday. Today's game in particular was there were there were seats scattered about, which I think we can put down to, to ticket touts, and that kind of is part of the course now at Arsenal. But there was a chasm in the clock end upper in one of the corners, and it was a noticeable chasm of row upon row upon row upon row. And that to me just seemed really peculiar because that can't just be one or two touts, can it? That that seems too organised. It seems too premeditated. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know where have those tickets gone who has those tickets and how have the club allowed them to get into the hands of these organizations that are selling tickets? Because if you, if you just Google Arsenal V Wolves tickets, you will find websites that are selling them, whether they're authentic or fakes or whatever. And they're selling them for five, six, seven times the the asking price because Wolves is a, is a what? cap C game that would normally go for about 40 odd quid yeah. um and the, the crazy thing is they're, they're going for tens of thousands of pounds now which is absolutely bonkers um but how how are these tickets getting into the hands of these off-brand organizations that aren't Arsenal Football Club I just I want to know how that is happening because I I can't you know it's, it, it for me it's like that question of how did the universe start it's it's that mind-boggling for me yeah
0: it's it's a difficult one. It's one that we're not going to solve. Hopefully the club are working towards some sort of resolution. I know there's been lots of talk about it. The club have put an announcement on saying about they've blocked all of those IP addresses. They've blocked a load, but, and there's clearly still more, more work to be done, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, that can be rectified uh, sooner rather than later. We are out of time for today. Um, Thank you very much, everyone, for putting your comments in the chat. It's been really, really good chatting with uh, the wonderful Amanda. Uh, Fabulous, Freddie. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) It's great to have you on, mate. And uh, of course, Captain Cook. Thanks thanks for coming on, mate. No worries all, mate. Great chatting with you all as always. Yep, we will be back. I think we will be back post-Liverpool game. Um, excuse
3: right. me, young man. Just because you don't want to predict anymore, <sighs> we need to do predictions. That's how we end the show. And I have um, to say, as annoying as it is, Carl went for 4-1. He, he really did. He went for 4-1. I went for 2-1. James went 3-1. And Freddie, you went 3-0, didn't you? Mm. But he actually went 4-1. So, well done, Carl.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. What's your prediction, Chris, for next week? <laughs>
0: um, there will be a football match that will be played in Liverpool, and I will have an Easter Sunday roast. That is my prediction.
3: I think Jesus will be even more resurrected come Easter Sunday. Freddie, are you gonna? Have you got the balls to uh, actually predict next week? Uh,
2: I know there'll probably be. Well, hopefully, there's not any aggregators listening that are going to now tweet this prediction publicly, but. Um, Two one Arsenal. I'm gonna say two one. Um, let's be let's be optimistic. But I'll change my mind before the game, and I'll, I'll be convinced we're gonna lose four nil. But no, two <laughs> one. I'll go for it now.
3: Go on, cooks, because Chris doesn't want to do it.
1: I'm going to go 2-0. I'd love to see a carbon copy of that um, away performance of Spurs. And if it was the exact same scorers as well on the day, um, not a Larissa own goal, obviously, but Saka putting it in the back of the net and uh, a great finish from Mordegaard, that would be an absolutely perfect performance for me.
3: Okay, so I'm going 1-0. 1-0 to the Arsenal. That's what I think is going to happen. It's nice. going to be a dodgy... Uh, squeaky bum time sort of game. I don't think we're going to put in our best performance if I'm honest. I'm sort of predicting the whole thing here. I could be completely wrong. Um, But I think we're going to nick it. I really do. And I think it's going to be one of those games where we're all going to feel sick until we blow that final whistle.
0: Yep. Certainly. And on that note, um, I tell you what, I'll I'll bite your hand off for a draw, to be honest with you right now. Let's just take a draw and and move on. on. But um, thank you very much to everyone for joining us. Thank you, everyone in the chat. It's been wonderful uh, chatting with you guys. Um, Fingers crossed, nine more to go, nine more cup finals. And let's hope that uh, this time next week we're talking about eight more cup finals and there is still an eight point lead over those horrible uh, citizens that are based in Manchester. Thanks to Freddie, Cookie, and, of course, Amanda and me. Uh, Hope to see you next time. Um, Thank you very much. See you later, guys.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: 18 plus.